The Black and Gold Banneret Podcast is brought to you by the Unger Real Estate Group, powered by EXP Realty, proudly serving Orange, Seminole, and Lake Counties. Call 407-790-9957 or visit WeSellOrlando.net. What's happening, Night fans? Welcome to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast, our 2018 UCF Baseball Preview Edition. I am Jeff Sharon, along with Brian Murphy, who's going to be following UCF Baseball all season. Brian, are you as excited as you claimed you were in the show a few minutes ago that we just recorded, where where you dropped the Bob Costas basketball line? It's really what Bob Costas is known for, other than hosting like 10 Olympics and like five World Series. And, it gives, uh, you know, yeah. and and doing everything under the sun for NBC Sports, you know. Right. I mean, it, once you get past all that, his his, you know, repartee with Al Michaels in in basketball is is the stuff of legend. It's like Lawrence Olivier, okay, Daniel Day Lewis, and then Al Michaels, Bob Costas in basketball. You know, Bobby is uh you know, he's not on the Olympics. He was off the Super Bowl. I wish we could have just gotten one more shot of him, you know, at these big events, and he actually dropped that line on the air. It would have been one hell of a way to go out. Anyway, <laughs> we're going to talk about Bob's big sport, which is baseball, UCF baseball in particular, in this uh, in this preview edition. Um, and this is just for you; it's all baseball uh, for this uh, for this one. We did another podcast earlier this week as well. Make sure you listen to that before we catch you up on baseball. Or excuse me, on basketball. Men's and women's, catch up on softball, catch up on the football schedule. We break all that down for you. But this is all baseball on this show. So uh, once again, don't forget to follow us at blackandgoldbanneret.com where we will be following UCF baseball all throughout the season, the defending regular season American Athletic Conference uh, champions. Uh, Brian will be uh, – he, 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 Brian does I, – I, this is great. When you came onto the site, right, you're like – I want to cover baseball. And I'm like, great, go for it. Um, and this is just, your, this is your jam. And so I just, yeah. you know, it's, I'm just like, here's the ball, run with it. And you can follow Brian at spokes underscore Murphy. Follow me at Jeff underscore Sharon. Follow us at UCF underscore uh, Banneret. Um, you can also hit us up on Facebook, facebook.com slash black and gold Banneret. And uh, subscribe to this podcast on Google Play iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Let's dive right in. UCF baseball heads into year number two under Greg Lovelady. And uh, year number one wasn't all that bad. 40-22 and 22 regular season champs uh, of the American. Uh, it, it came up a little short in the conference tournament and then bowed out in two straight games in the NCAA um, so a bit of a disappointing ending to the season as far as postseason play is concerned. Still, uh, Greg Lovelady, who is the conference coach of the year last year, um, pulled things together at the right time as uh, the Knights uh, did get through to, uh, you know, hey, can't argue with the conference championship in the regular season, even though they got eliminated by, uh, by East Carolina. By the way, this number eight seed East Carolina team that, Steamrolled almost everybody. Got within one win of going to the NCAA as the last place team in the American. Uh, they lost to Houston in the championship game uh, and uh, handed UCF the only two losses of the uh, of the American uh, baseball championships down in Clearwater last year. 
that was how that ended. And then uh, losses to uh, Auburn and Florida State and Tallahassee Regional sealed it up for UCF. But, uh, you know, the regular season came down to that dramatic final day uh, with uh, the game against UC- uh, the game between USF and UCF that, uh, um, you, know, but, you know, UCF had to win their final two games to, uh, to clinch the uh, conference uh, regular season uh, title from the Bulls. Yeah. Uh, and they did so with a tremendous group of seniors, you know, uh, was it 12 regulars, um, who graduated or moved on via the draft, uh, that are not going to be there anymore. Uh, Brian. So I guess my first question to you is looking at this team's roster heading into this year, you know, how are they going to replace, um, you know, the guys like, you know, not just in the pitching staff guys like Robbie Howell, Juan Pimentel, but. Um, you know, all the other production that they got uh, in the lineup as well. How are they going to recover from losing all those guys? Yeah, uh, it's basically if you watched UCF baseball last year and you've returned not knowing what the team looks like for this year, you'll know the name's Ryland Thomas, uh, who is the uh, the conference uh, preseason player of the year or hitter of the year. And you'll know Matthew Micah, uh, who's an infielder, a high-energy guy, top lineup guy. Other than those two guys, there really aren't any returning regulars. Now, guys who got playing time are back, like Anthony George or Dallas Beaver. But as far as your regulars, they're replacing a ton of regulars, including their entire outfield, uh, which is going to be made up with guys who've transferred in from junior colleges, um, guys like Tyler Osick, uh, guys like Brady Wofford. Now, those guys, Tyler Osick and Brady Wofford, have power. This is a team – well, let's not get too deep, but I'll say that outfield is going to be more powerful. One thing – that they're going to be more this year in the outfield, at least is you're going to see a little more power from that outfield. Yeah, it, it's, it, it, that's one of the things that, you know, and we'll talk to actually uh, Greg Lovelady here uh, a little bit in the second half of the podcast. I actually sat down with him in his office. Um, but it, 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 that's one of the things that I think that's going to be key. I've been reading some of the previews, you know, they all talk about how, how Ryland Thomas is, you know, they, every, obviously everyone's raving about him and what a year he had last year, 14 homers, but um, as a true freshman, as a true freshman, right? And everyone's been saying, you know, well, you know, he's going to have to carry the load offensively. And I thought, well, that may be true, but some of these guys, they may actually, you know, there's a little bit more experience there coming in, I think, than people realize. You know, a guy like you talked about uh, Brody Wofford, who comes in as a as a transfer. This is a guy who played at LSU and then transferred to Chipola College, and now. Uh, he's from Rome, Georgia. He comes in as a as a junior. You know, LSU doesn't give you a look unless you're really talented. Um, I, be- I believe I believe Brody was uh, the 14th round pick of the Reds. Yeah, in last year's draft. Yeah, but one of the things that I'm um, really excited about is that at least the pitching is coming back a significant portion of it. Yeah, you lose Robbie Howe, you lose Juan Pimentel, um, but a couple guys you're getting back. Um, you know, going back and taking a look, obviously, um, you know, we talked about you know, the bullpen with Bryce Tucker coming back in, but, you know, Joe Sheridan's back. Uh, he'll be on the mound once again. You know, what a year for him as a lefty. Um, you got Chris Williams coming back as well. And, uh, you know, not just that, but one of the interesting things that you got Cree Finfrock coming back. You know, people forgot about him. He was he spent all of last year out with an injury. Um, mm-hmm. He will be back in the rotation, or at least we, or he may be back in the rotation. You know, uh, you know, he may be coming out of the bullpen a little bit here and there. But 
Um, it's nice having him back in there, you know. So tell me, you know, basically what you look at it with the pitching. Um, you know, we know about Bryce Tucker in the back end, but that front end, you know, you got five guys aiming for three st- three spots in that uh, weekend rotation. Yeah, it's really you know this is this is the strength of the team, and really in baseball you want to be better on the mound. If you have to choose, you'd rather be, have more arms. You can never have enough arms, even in the college level. You can never have enough arms, and this team has some arms. Uh, and they're going to start off on Friday with Chris Williams. Chris was a midweek starter, really for most of last season, but came on way strong. Was one of the best pitchers in the nation uh, through the final stretch of the regular season. Did not pitch very well in the regional at Florida State, but he has earned the the the, the Friday night start against Virginia. They say he's had the best fall of any pitcher out there. He's earned it, and the way he performed down the stretch played the part. Joe Sheridan was. The best pitch, the best starter on the staff. I, I would include Robbie Howe as well. He was still the best starter. He, he was a true freshman uh, from the area, grew up in Orlando, used to go to UCF games as a kid, and now he's going to start Saturday against Rice. But those are the returning starters. This pitching staff is deep. Free is going to start in the bullpen. They they want to limit his innings a little bit. But you're talking about a Friday night quality starter guy a guy who was starting on Friday nights two years ago, coming out of the bullpen. And that's because they've got transfers like J.J. Montgomery and Jordan Spicer. One of those two guys is more than likely going to start Sunday against Sanford. We're not sure which one, uh, but one of those two guys will. Jordan Montgomery's throwing 97 right now, okay, in college. Mm. Uh, And this pitching staff as a whole, starters and relievers, the bullpen – uh, they say it could be better than last year. That's going to be hard to top because like Jason Barr was a high MLB draft pick. Jordan Sheffs was very good. Uh, they, they lost some, some great players, but putting Cree in there helps and they have so many more arms they could just put in there and they've, they've got Bryce as the anchor. Bryce Tucker is the anchor at the end. But this pitching staff as a whole, how good is it? Because it is, the, it is the, the, the focal point of the team. Well, Lovelady says it's the best pitching staff he has either coached or played with. And I will remind wow. you that Greg Lovelady played on two national championship teams with Miami. Uh, so that's pretty high praise. And it, you really can't wait to see this. And these guys are not like we, we asked them, like the new guys, like Spicer Montgomery. You ask them, like, what's your repertoire? And they go, like, I, we just come at you. Like, we're, you know, they're not scared. They're going to attack the zone, which is sort of like the entire staff mentality. But they're, they're, they're going to throw power stuff. It's going to be hard stuff and a lot of swings and misses. And uh, that's going to be fun to watch. Uh, this pitching staff is going to be bonkers. It should be really, really good. I'm not saying they're going to win national title. But the pitching staff in, its, in itself – is going to be amazing, and it's going to it's going to be uh, interesting to see how this shakes out. You know, past Williams and Sheridan, who they go for Sunday, and then who goes to Tuesday for the midweek games, and then who goes into the bullpen because they just don't have any spots left. Well, it's going to be a hell of an act to follow because UCF last year was fifth in the country in ERA, fifth lowest ERA yeah. in the country as a team. Um, you know, I'm looking up and down. You know, you know the, the statistics from last year. Um, you had, you know, you talked about Robbie Howell and Juan Pimentel. And if you sort the, the list by ERA, they actually had two of the higher ERAs in the entire team. Uh, Pimentel was 4.95. Robbie Howell was 3.32. Um, you had two guys with ERAs of zero, including 
Rylan Thomas himself. Um, you know, Eric Heppel, you know, last year was a 0.46 ERA in 16 appearances. Um, you know, we talked about Bryce Tucker last year, who in 38 innings was uh, posted a 1.66. Um, you know, Chris Williams last year was five. Don't let the record fool you. He was five and four with a 2.65. I mean, that's um, Kevin Brown territory if you're if you're an old Marlins fan like me. So, yeah, I mean, again, the pitching is going to be, um, you know, the strength of this team. But um, what if you're Greg Lovelady? You know, I, I mean, we know he obviously he, he's no spring chicken when it comes to being in the position that he is. What, we'll, and we'll hear from him in a little bit. But, you know, you've talked to him heading into the season. You know, what is your impression of him, you know, over the course of a year? You know, you win the conference regular season title and all of a sudden, you know, there's expectations, right? So, mm-hmm. um What's been, you know, in your discussions with, with uh, Coach Lovelady, what have you seen sort of as his approach to this season coming in? I think it's a lot more, as far as the approach, it's a lot more the same because it's so him. If you go out to practice and you see Lovelady walking on the, on the field during practice with no shoes on and he's wearing like cargo shorts and a floppy hat, that's yeah, sort like of that like fisherman's his, hat. I love that. Yeah, that's his deal. That's that's not like a gimmick. Like that's just who Greg Lovelady is. And look, when when you're winning, you know everything looks great. But it, 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 that sort of that sort of attitude does sort of lead into like you can get a, a, your players more relaxed and sort of calm them down in the heat of the moment because they can see he sort of emanates that. He emanates that sort of like cool relaxed uh feeling so i think the players he's a i think the players love him uh he will not change his mindset this year i think what's most what he's looking forward to most this year is to see how the talent meshes with their lack of inexperience because this team does have a surplus of talent and as we've said especially in the lineup a a dearth of of experience so how does that sort of work itself out as the season goes along I think that's what really, as a manager, he's looking forward to most this year. Well, one of the things that the fans are looking forward to is the new park. Well, it's not, you know, meet the new park, same as the old park. But uh, John Juliano Park is, you know, currently, we've got some photos of it actually up on our site uh, and on our Twitter feed, uh, UCF underscore banneret. Um, John Juliano Park right now is still under construction. <laughs> Um, the additional uh, levels that they're bringing in, they're going to you know, put up the press box and, and you know, all the luxury suites and all that kind of stuff. All that's under construction. They are feverishly trying to finish it um, you know, soon. Hopefully within um, what I was hearing was about there's sort of, the, the, you know, maybe around March um, that it might be done. Uh, it, they had to do so much work to this place um, in order to get it ready, but you know, but let me ask you this. I mean, we've seen the plans up there for um, a while now. What do you think is going to be – how much of a benefit is this to um, the UCF baseball program in general? Because, you know, I can remember when, you know, the, the, this park was new in and of itself. You know, its capacity wasn't overly spectacular, but, you know, it was a good place to call home. And now it's now it's expanding even greater. Um you know, what does this mean for the program that they're that they're able to undertake a project like this, and uh, and what can it mean for the future? 
Well, I think you're seeing now the stadium sort of catch up to the product on the field because the product on the field is, is worthy of making uh, the NCAA tournament every year. And they want to play in that type of atmosphere. They want to they want to be in a home in a stadium that sort of can, con, con, you know, conveys that that success. And uh, so you build a bigger stadium. It's it's you know, I don't think as far as like in game, like, yeah, it'll have more fans in it. So that'll be nice. But for the future, that's where the payoff comes. Like you're going to have high school kids coming in and seeing this place. And that's going to look really nice to a recruit. And you could UCF was already a pretty easy sell, mm-hmm. considering everything else they're doing with the athletic villages, the f- other athletic program successes, but also the location, the campus itself, the program that they've done that Love Lady has 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 built here going into year two. That was an easy sell, and now you sort of put them in a bigger stadium that's sort sort of worthy of bigger and better talents, and he's going to attract those kids. I think that's where the stadium's really going to pay off. I, you know, I don't really get caught up a whole lot in um, home field advantage, especially in college baseball when even the biggest stadiums, it's not like going down to like Bryant-Denny Stadium in Alabama for football. Like it's it's baseball, college baseball is is quaint. It's 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 a relaxing time, but it, it this now looks like a real college baseball stadium and this program deserves it because this program looks like it's headed and I don't want to count these eggs. Well, I'm going to count them anyway. So here you go. This program (laughs) looks like it's going to be headed to, to the NCAA tournament every year. That's what, that's what has been building here. And, uh, um, this and So, yeah, they, they deserve a stadium that sort of fits that. Yeah. I, I think that, um, the, They've been fighting for so long to get this done to this park. I mean, there have been yeah. plans to expand it for going back to when I was a student. And I know going back to when you were a student. And um, you know, to finally see it come to fruition, I think, is, uh, um, is, is finally something that you know, is going to be just a tremendous win for the program overall. Yeah. Um, and you know, my hope is that, um, is that it'll continue to do so. Um, it, you know, it, it's what, one of the things that I heard, you know, and, and kind of thought, oh, that kind of makes sense is that, you know, the whole seating setup of the, of the new park is going to be basically asymmetrical, um, which, um, okay. I mean, I get it, you know, but you don't have as many seats down the left field line. Maybe one day you will, but you know, down the left field line, you're going to have that sort of berm area and you got, you know, the playground for the kids and all that kind of stuff. You know, it's always been a great place to go see a game. And, you know, now it's going to be a great place for a lot more people to come see a game. And the chance to host, like you were saying, in the NCAA, an NCAA tournament regional, um, that's a big win for the program. So, mm-hmm. um, so that's one of the things we'll be looking forward to. And stay tuned for updates on that um, as we get ready to uh, start the 2018 baseball season at UCF. All right. Let's take a quick break. When we come back. We will hear from the man himself. Greg Lovelady, head coach of UCF Baseball, joins us here on the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast, Baseball Preview Edition. Stick around. We're back after this. The Black and Gold Banneret Podcast is brought to you by the Unger Real Estate Group, powered by EXP Realty. Sam Unger and his team proudly serve Orange, Seminole, and Lake Counties, specializing in buying, selling, and new construction. Sam is a proud UCF graduate, class of 2006, 
And he's such a dedicated Knight fan that right now, if you work with him as your realtor, he will donate a portion of his commission to the UCF Football Excellence Fund in your name. So if you're ready to buy a new home or sell your current home, upgrade or downsize, Sam and his team have you covered so you can find the right home at the right price in the right location. So give him a call right now at 407-790-9957. Again, that's 407-790-9957. Or visit on the web at WeSellOrlando.net. Again, that's WeSellOrlando.net. You can also reach them on Facebook at Facebook.com slash WeSellOrlando. Get in touch with the Unger Real Estate Group today and make finding your dream home a reality. Hello, Night Nation. I'm Andrew Fegley. And I'm Trey Strelko. Um, uh, um, where are we? This isn't our usual spot. It looks like we've landed in the Black and Gold Banneret podcast. Oh, yeah. I've, I've heard of those guys. You know, Nightline has UCF sports covered. Week in and week out, we bring you interviews with newsmakers and in-depth analysis of UCF sports. Subscribe to our weekly podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to subscribe to Nightline on YouTube, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Twitter at UCF underscore Nightline. Trace, can we go back to the 1148 studios now and start working on our next all-new Nightline? How do we get out of here? Go Knights! Charge on. Now back to you guys in the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. All right, welcome back to our baseball preview edition of the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Jeff Sharon, Brian Murphy with you here, uh, breaking down UCF baseball for the 2018 season. You can follow us at UCF underscore Banneret on Twitter. Follow Brian at Spokes underscore Murphy. He will be following UCF baseball throughout the season. Uh, and you can follow us as well on Facebook at Black and Gold, or excuse me, Facebook.com slash Black and Gold Banneret. If you don't already, subscribe to our podcast on Google Play, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and tune in. And without further ado, we promised it to you, and now here it is. Uh, earlier uh, this week, um, I had the distinct pleasure of talking with uh, head coach uh, Greg Lovelady of UCF uh, heading into um, their opener this Friday, which will be uh, February 16th at 6.30 against University of Virginia, 15th ranked Virginia, coming into the um, to, coming into John Juliano Park uh, for against, the season against 22nd ranked UCF. Not a bad place to start, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and went down to talk to Coach Lovelady. Um, first of all, to set the scene here for you for this interview. So I go into his office in the baseball office and, um, and you remember last year, Brian, when we talked to him, like Mm -hmm. he'd barely moved into the place and, and there was like posters on the ground. And I was like, I was like, how's it? And, and and we were like, you know, okay, a little housekeeping to be done, but at least, you know, we kind of know what everything. Okay. So he's got totally brand new furniture in his office. Everything is perfectly, it, it, very nicely arranged. Um, the only thing was during the interview, and you'll hear this in the background, is like the construction crews at the park, they are working day and night trying to get the stadium ready. And when we were recording the interview, someone had some kind of a drill that they were trying to drill <laughs> into what seemed like the wall right next to Coach Lovelady's computer in the office. And for a minute, and for a minute there, I was like, you know, maybe we should go outside. And I'm like, no. It's they're going to be banging stuff around the whole time anyway. So, um, so we we stuck through it, and you, the audience, 
If you're cool with it, I'm cool with it. Just bear in mind that the stadium, and you'll see it on Friday night, you know, if you come to the opener against Virginia, it's still largely a construction zone. Um, but hopefully it won't be very soon. So um, another great interview with Greg. I, I find him, I know you do too, Brian. He's just the easiest guy to talk to in the world. And yeah. is so engaging and just exudes a love of the game, doesn't he? Yeah, and it's really again, it's part of his personality. He is very easy, uh, and and his and he gives you long answers, but the answers aren't like just strictly coach speak. He he talks pretty honestly. Uh, he gives you some good nuggets, you know, some good inside baseball type of stuff. Um, and he's just he's just whatever whatever may be will you know whatever will be will be sort of guy. And it's 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 really nice for us you know who are covering that to to be around that because it makes our jobs a lot easier than having to talk to a guy who just says, well, both teams played hard. <laughs> Thanks. Thank Rash- you, Rashid. Thank you, Rashid. Yeah. Thank you, Rashid. I love you. <laughs> Gosh, that's great. So we're, we God dove bless, in. God bless and good night. <laughs> we had to get in the Rashid reference. But but yeah, so so I think you guys are going to really enjoy this. Uh, here is, without further ado, here is uh, uh, my interview with UCF baseball head coach Greg Lovelady. <laughs> All right, here we go. Year two with Greg Lovelady. He's back, and uh, it's a construction zone around here, man. Are you, are you like, uh, is it hard to concentrate with the constant banging and everything that's going I mean, on out here? It's funny, like, uh, in my office, it's weird just because I can see out my window, so I'm, like, constantly watching the, the guys work. And they've done a great job. I'm really grateful for all the guys that have put work in, but I've definitely, like, you know, saw every time I see a, a huddle of guys, like I freak out, like what's going on, what's wrong, um, Did something and then, fall. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, in, and a couple times, you know, after I seen the huddle, like two minutes later, somebody's come in and said, "Hey, you're not gonna have water for the next three or four hours." Like they hit a water line or something, and that's why, you know. And on the field, it's actually been a, I mean, it's been a, a good and bad thing. It, it has been loud on the field, so yeah. it's been a great distraction to make the kids actually have to uh concentrate uh, i thought it was a good like mental practice um the only bad thing is is sometimes it has been hard to coach like where you're trying to yell at players like hey do that you got to be here you got to be there and then they can't hear you because they make sure you do this what well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, but it's been fun i mean this the the enormity of this thing is yeah. unbelievable the pictures just didn't do it justice until in terms of what the size is going to look like and obviously still got some work to do to make it to a finished product but uh it's really exciting. There it is in the background right there. You can yeah. actually hear it. But uh, that's all right. Because, I mean, what's what's cool is like this. Now this looks like an honest to God, like stadium. Yeah, it does. Know, I mean, that's cool. huge. It's huge. I mean, I drive in every day through center fieldish area from yeah. my house. And, you know, just seeing the view of it just changes the whole thing. Um, yeah. And seeing the, again, the, even the steel structure just changes everything. So it's been a lot of fun and exciting. And I'm ready for it to be over yeah. um, and actually have a stadium. Um that that is fully done but you know i know that's going to come and we're excited for it what um so here you are in year two i mean this is your fifth year now as a head coach mm-hmm. and but what did you learn here at ucf in your first season that you think will help you going forward this season well i think just the competition in the league um i think that's the biggest thing the biggest unknown well other than the players you know that's always an unknown of what's going to happen when the lights turn on i think that not really having a great grasp of the league um and even the non-conference games i mean being a right state for 12 total years like you felt like you knew the league and you knew the 
the teams we were playing midweek because they're all the same. They're the same here. I mean, we're playing the same midweek games as we did last year. Um, But you really had no idea what you were getting into in terms of what that competition was like and what those teams were like and strategically how to set stuff up. I mean, you just were flying by the seat of my pants and in the dark, really. So um, now you kind of know what to expect. You know what the league is like, which gives us just a little bit more confidence as coaches to know, like, what we're preparing for, what we need to recruit for, and what's the best, you know, Every team's going to have some different styles about them that you're going to, you know, strategize for. So it definitely gives us um, a lot better feeling knowing that we're going to be, we can make decisions more prepared uh, because of that. Um, and I think that's probably the biggest difference. Not bad flying by the seat of your pants all the way to the regular season <laughs> title, though. Yeah, it was crazy. It was. I mean, that's amazing, isn't it? Um, I mean, who would have thought? I don't think that anyone in the right mind would have thought, including us. But uh, I got to give all the credit to the players because they did such a great job last year of really buying in and and going on a mission and and to see them be rewarded with that championship was awesome you had a lot of guys that were veterans on that team last year i think was it was it 12 regular players graduated um and so now you have all these newcomers that are coming and trying to fill in those holes and yet you still come in 22nd in the preseason rankings in baseball america not a bad place to start um so now there's expectations right so um what were some of the non-production, like on-field production related things that you think you're going to miss from those guys who graduated last year? Well, you know, know, we have 19 new guys. So we lost 19 players last year. 12 graduate, 7 through the draft or being able to transfer. Um, And so, you know, we, I I feel like we have a little bit more talent than we did last year. We're a little bit deeper from top to bottom. Um, Just physical, gifted talent. Wow. I think we're better. Um, the problem is is that last year, every single player that was in our starting rotation other than Ryland Thomas had played here at UCF, um, had had success, knew what the league was about, knew what this whole process was about, knew what to expect, what it was going to feel like, and those different types of things. And so um, now we don't have that. We, we don't have a lot of those guys, and we, we have a good base of them. Uh, but there's going to be, you know, last year on opening night, there was one person that had never thrown in a Division One college game here at UCF, um, or, or played in the game. Now, seventy-five uh, percent of our, you know, guys have never done that, and so that that is the big question mark. And how are you going to handle that transition? How are you going to handle, um, you know, that part of it? Uh, the talent's all good and great, and that's awesome to have, and it's great to say you're a talented team, but. Talent doesn't win championships. Like uh, being able to handle the grind, being able to go through a season and handle the ups and downs, and handle the pressure of big moments, and um, you know, and know what to do when you fail and how to handle that. Like our guys had done a lot of that um, going into last year, and so they knew what those expectations were. And, and so, uh, you know, a guy even like a Luke Hamblin who didn't have a great junior year, you know, and, and kind of knew what to expect and how to handle that and utilize some of the things that we taught him and then was able to have a great year. So um, you're just hoping that, that, that these guys, the, you know, especially the new kids, are able to handle this, this transition. And if they do, you know, that's going to be an exciting thing. And if they don't, then we're going to fight, you know, and have to struggle. Well, one of the places where it looks like you may not have to do, you know, have all that much in terms of, you know, dealing with some of the shortcomings of a, of a, of newcomers is on the pitching staff. Mm-hmm. Your weekend rotation right now. Last year, you had the fifth best DRA in the country. I mean, what I mean, what can you say about that, right? Yeah. Fifth best DRA in the nation. 
Uh, Robbie's gone, Juan Pimentel's gone, but you got Chris back, you get Joe Sheridan back, and Craig Finfrock, who I think a lot of people almost forgot about because right. he didn't pitch at all last year, he's back now. So you had five guys kind of competing for three spots. How's your weekend rotation looking right now? Do you even know what you're going to do come weekend? Yeah, you know what I haven't. We've, we've met a lot today about it, just obviously with the last kind of big inner squad this weekend. We've met a lot about it, but, you know, that's – that's an exciting. It's probably the most exciting part of our team, obviously, with all the you know those returners that pitch so well. I mean, Joe and Chris, really, at the end of the year, were probably our two best guys. I mean, Joe had an unbelievable year, ten and three, a freshman All American, and Willie was our most consistent guy at the end of the year, just dominating yeah. uh, in conference. So to have those two guys back sure sure makes me sleep a little better. Um, having Bryce at the end of the game makes me sleep a lot better. Um, yeah, but then to have Cree Frenfrock back, I mean, he's been really good. I mean, just. You know, he's starting to regain the form of what he was as a freshman. And he's still got some ways to go from the surgery and stuff. But, I mean, he'll be available. Um, We're going to keep him in the pen early on in the year just to lower his innings. I don't want him throwing 80 to 100 innings uh, like a normal starter does. Um, Just coming off the surgery, I just don't feel like that'd be fair for him. And I want him to be the best Cree Frenfrock at the end of the year, mm-hmm. not on opening day. And so I want to make sure that we work him with, work him in, um, lower his innings, and if, if we need to put him in the rotation at the end of the year, we can. Um, but obviously to have Willie and Joe, and, and again, I'm not 100% sure on the rotation, but I know those two guys will be in the starting rotation whether they pitch on Tuesday or on the weekend. Um, they, they've earned it um, from last year, and then they've earned it in the fall and in, yeah. and in the spring. Uh, but it gives us a huge base of returners to mix with the new guys on the pitching side, and that's that's an exciting exciting part of it. You mentioned Bryce and just like just a revelation last year. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's such a nice luxury having yeah. a guy who can lock things down late in, especially in college baseball. Um, what have you seen him work on heading into this season to try and improve on what he did last year? Yeah, I mean, obviously the off-speed stuff was the biggest thing that he needed to work on. Um, you know, he relied heavily on a fastball last year, um, and so he's been able to work a, a breaking ball. It's kind of changed the shape of it and has actually been using it a lot in inter-squads. Uh, he's even he's thrown a changeup a couple times. So uh, definitely utilizing that, just mechanically trying to make sure that he can repeat his delivery. Um but, uh, you know, I think the breaking ball is going to bring just an added dimension uh, just because it, it throws something else in there. Um, so people are going to have to be aware of that, and that also will make his fastball a lot better knowing that they just can't try to sit on the fastball, which they had trouble sitting on the fastball last year. So that's the huge strength. But now as you, as you uh, incorporate the breaking ball, and that just makes that fastball just a tick just a little bit higher because people have to think about that in the back of their mind. So, um, But he's... You know, to have somebody at the back end that, that has had the success that he's had, not only last year but with Team USA, uh, it makes you feel a lot, feel you know, really good coming into those last couple innings. Not just on the pitching staff now, but also in the field. There's a bunch of position battles going on right now, particularly on the left side of that infield yeah. too. So, um, third base shortstop, what's that looking at like yeah, right I now? Yeah, I mean, Brandon Hernandez is going to play short. I mean, he's just our best defender. Um, it, it really. It, changes the game when you have a guy at shortstop that can play the way that he does. I mean, yeah. he is just really special. Um, and so he'll play that. Third base is still up in the air. I mean, Dallas Beaver um, and and Griffin Bernardo kind of battling it out. And it'll you know probably go down the last day, and obviously they'll probably both play a little bit over there. And, um, 
you know, just trying to find the best combination of offense and defense and, and whatnot. But those have kind of been the two main guys. Anthony George could could jump in there. I know he's a catcher, but yeah. uh, he's played a little bit at third base. Uh, those that's guys, kind of complicated a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it'll it'll uh, it'll all work itself out. I mean, that's the best thing yeah. about having so many games and playing so many you know days a week. You get to throw some different options out there and kind of you know, especially these first five weeks of non cons, try to figure out the best rotation. You know, in terms of who plays where and you know who who you know and again and this is you know we go back to saying about you know the the talent and but never doing this man it's amazing the things you learn about kids when the lights get turned on i mean there's the kids that are great practice players that when the lights turn on they just can't handle it but there's also the opposite the guys that aren't great practice players but when the lights turn on they all of a sudden take their game to another level and so those first five weeks we'll find the answers to those questions and be able to lock down a you know a, a lineup and a rotation as we get into conference one of those guys who had his, who had, who certainly came on when the lights came on last year, Ryland Thomas, preseason player of the year this mm-hmm. year. All of a sudden, you know, we talk about production all the time. Last year, three oh three, fourteen home runs. I mean, he was another revelation for you. Um, a lot of the previews they say he's going to be carrying the load on offense, mm-hmm. but from your perspective, you know, who are you looking to sort of ease the burden on him in the lineup with the bats? Yeah, I mean, I think I think Dallas Bieber uh, is going to be a big one. Um, I think he's kind of my pick to click in terms of the guy that's going to, no one's really expecting much out of just because of what he did last year that um, I really think that he's going to step up. He's had a great fall and even better last couple weeks here as we as we work our way in. Matt Micah, obviously is a returner, had a great summer, um, really has had a much better just in terms of offense mm-hmm. um, just done a much better job than he did last year hitting the baseball uh, and then obviously what he brings to the table on on, on the bases yeah. uh, and you couple that with Ray Alejo uh, who's going to play in center who is um, one of the fastest baseball players that I've ever coached um, wow you know he's I've coached guys that run the 60 with a better time but when he gets on the bases he's he you know there's guys again that they have great speed when they get on the bases. It doesn't play as well. Does the speed doesn't play as well? He's the opposite. He's a he's a fast runner. I mean, he's a six four six five runner, but he runs more. You think he'd be a six two runner by the way he runs the bases because he's so fast. And those two guys, I think, are going to hit the top of the line of Mike and Alejo, and they're just going to cause a lot of issues for people. Um, just as many stolen bases that they're going to have, and just annoying the crap out of opposing pitchers because um, they're just like gnats out on the bases. And uh, Brody Wofford is going to be a big bat. I think you know thirteenth rounder out of out of Chipola, went to LSU out of high school. Like, uh, it's got some left-handed pop, which will give us another bat with Beaver on the left-handed side. And and Tyler Osick, um, probably play left, okay. DH a little bit. And another kid from Chipola that, you know, just just loves hitting. Uh, dad played in the big leagues, and, and just a, you know, I think a mature guy that will be able to handle handle this handle this. So, I mean, I think when you add those 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 four or five guys around Ryland, I mean, I think it's going to protect him a little bit, which will allow him to do his thing and. At the same time, give us plenty of chances to try to score some runs. You actually knocked off two, 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 <laughs> two birds with one stone. So I was going to ask you about the outfield yeah. and the position battles that are out there. But you know, you, so you feel so you feel good with the outfield right now that you feel like you got your three guys regularly. Yeah, right yeah, and, and you know, also you know, and it depends with the DH and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, but, uh, Dalton Wingo's a, a freshman that. Uh, has really impressed, uh, has a lot of ability, you know, needs to, you know, typical freshman stuff, and he's going to have to learn on the fly kind of thing. But, you know, he he doesn't have Ryland's ability, but it, it's it's in that, 
you know, in that in that range kind of thing, where he, he's kind of very similar to Ryland with the ability that he has to hit the ball a long way, and uh, he's a lot taller and athletic and a good defender with a great arm. Um, you know, same characteristics though that has some specialness in his hand. So, you know, whether it's DH or the outfield, you know, those kind of four guys and Beaver, you know, I mean, there's just some some flex in there, some different things at third base, DH, catcher. Um, in right field that you know six guys playing five positions you know they might rotate a little bit but yeah I mean obviously Ray is locked down center field and and Tyler you know could play left but Dalton and Walford could play the corners and move move Tyler to DH so I mean there's a whole bunch of different options with with you know 10 or 11 guys that we have that we feel really good with right now so let me ask you about the league around the American because last year I mean it was jam-packed you know you come out, you win the real regular season title, but it came down to the last day. Um, and you know, even you know, when I was in Clearwater doing play by play for the uh, for the conference, you know, we were talking about how uh, you know even a team like Memphis, who is in the bottom of the league, you know, they had a much better year last year than they did. And they actually dropped a place in the standings. East Carolina was dead last in the regular season. They got within one game of going to the NCAA tournament, and they lost to Houston in the championship. So what's your outlook on the rest of the league right now as you kind of look around and see what the uh, opposition is going to be like, especially now with Wichita joining? Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be probably tougher than last year. You know, last year we had five teams within two games of winning the championship. I won't be shocked if it's something very, very similar again. I mean, obviously Wichita brings in a very veteran team. Uh, They got two guy, you know, offensive players that were – you know, Cape All Stars, and they got a, a veteran pitching staff, and then there's just there's a lot of top heavy arms. I mean, McClanahan at South Florida's got a chance to be the first overall pick in the draft. Tim Cates going to be a first rounder at UConn. They got Fioli back, the the sophomore left hander. Um, East Carolina brings back, other than Krasinski, brings back pretty much most of their their start rotation, um, and so. Um, Memphis has bowling back, so I mean, <clears throat> there are some top heavy, top heavy arms uh, that I think that a lot, of, lot of, lot of things can happen. I mean, I, I think that probably five or six teams have a chance to win the league again, wow. um, which is kind of scary. But that's again why we're the you know anywhere from the second to the fourth rated league every year the last three or four years that we have that depth, um, and so there's going to be some difficult offensive weekends um, in this league I think going all the way around I mean I think with our pitching staff again adding to the mix of that like um, you know there, there's not going to be a an easy day of trying to score runs um, and so it's going to be a grind offensively I think every single day for every single team um, but uh, I think again it's it's up for grabs and I think at least five or six teams have a chance to win it and again I think if you asked any coach last year they probably would have said that and we weren't one of them so I'm sure there's going to be a surprise team too it could add a sixth or seventh team that could could win this thing. You think the league doesn't uh, get, gets the kind of respect that it deserves nationally? No way, not even close. Um, I think last year, seeing some of the leagues that were ranked two or three spots below us get five or four teams in in the into the NCAA tournament and UConn being left out, I thought was an absolute travesty. I thought that I thought it was an absolute disrespect to our league that you know some of these. Uh, other leagues with resumes that weren't even remotely close, not only in the league but out of the league and non-conference. Um, you know, they went down and, and played really, really well against Texas and, yeah. and things like that. That um, you know, I thought UConn was a was a regional team, and and again, I think because of disrespect that they were they were um, not given a shot over a couple other teams in, in some leagues that weren't ranked nearly as high as we were. Um, 
and that, and that kind of sucked for them. What do you think it's going to take? You know, I think it's going to probably take a couple of us breaking through to Supers and to a College World Series and, um, you know, just making sure that we're prepared in those non-con games to kind of do well against, you know, those other other teams that are getting more respect and the other leagues that are getting more respect than us. But um, I think once we kind of start um, consistently, you know, breaking through and getting to a couple College World Series between all of us, um, I think that will hopefully change. Um, but we'll kind of see. I, I I'm so glad you brought that up because um, you know, this sport is the one where it's like you know, for me. I think I told you this last year when we talked. Like this is the one sport where I think UCF year in and year out has the best shot to win a national title at any given year. Because look at what Coastal Carolina did. Look at what Fresno did like ten years ago, yeah. where they 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 barely got into the tournament right. and then went on that run and beat. A really good Georgia team that I covered, that Gordon Beckham and all those guys. Um, but you're right; it comes down to those, you know, the, like you said, those non-con games and playing here in the state of Florida. There's some really good opportunities there. So when you look at the schedule now, what's your outlook on that, and what do you think will be the biggest challenges for the team when just looking at the slate of teams you got to play? I mean, it's going to be tough. You know, we don't schedule easy, and I don't want it that way. I want to give us as many regional type atmospheres, as many regional type teams. Um, to prepare us, yeah. uh, not only you know early on in the year preparing us for our conference, and then uh, when we get to a regional, you want to play in those type of atmospheres. So you know playing at Florida and at Florida State and at Miami, um, those situations are what you're going to have to go into if you're on the road in a regional. Um, playing a team like Oklahoma, I mean that's a regional type team, um, and so I mean look Bethune last year regional team. I mean Stetson's yeah. got the starting rotation this year to to really make a run in their league. So they could be a regional type team, and so um, you just see a different, you know, FAU perennial regional team. So I mean, our, our midweek games put us in a lot of regional type atmospheres and/or a lot of regional type teams. And then obviously our league, as difficult as it is, and then again the one weekend against Oklahoma is going to be a great challenge for us, you know. But having them at home will be will be a will be a cool experience. So um, you know, I think the schedule sets us up to host uh, if we take care of our business um, and do the things. Last year we're probably you know, one bad loss and one big win away from hosting. I mean, you're talking about two games swayed us from being, you know, a top 16 team in the RPI and uh, and whatnot. So um, I think the schedule gives us the, a great opportunity to do that again. Uh, we just got to, you know, again, make sure that we make every game important. Uh, don't take any team for granted, any game for granted, um, and just go out worry about us, play the game. And, and if we handle our business the way we did last year, I think it puts us in, again, another chance to – to, to have a chance to host, and if not, um, prepares us to go on the road and win a regional. Well, you got it coming up right off the bat when you got Virginia, you got Rice, and then Sanford coming in, and then up to Stetson for that first road game and the first uh, three-game set in the schedule. So it starts this Friday, February 16th. Greg Lovelady, reigning coach of the year for the reigning conference regular season champions. Coach, good luck. I'll see you on Friday. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. All right, thanks to uh, Greg once again for his uh, his time and his candor as usual. It's like, it's just great. I, I, you know, how, how do you not want to have a beer with that guy? I mean, it's like, it's 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 awesome. Love talking baseball with him. Um, and it's a lot of fun. So, and yeah. uh, did, did, did Greg have his feet up on the desk this year? No, not this last year. year. No, nah, he didn't have enough room in the office to do it this year because they moved all the furniture in. 
Yeah. So See, that's again, if you want another glimpse into what this kind of what what Greg Lovelady is or who he is, when we talked to him last year, he did the entire interview with his feet up on the desk. It's great. I, I, I mean, and we had, you know, and it was just it was just great to just talk baseball with him. You know, we hung out for uh, you know a little bit, and he was kind of giving me some updates on things, and it was it was great. I also want to send a, a shout out to um, Ian McDougal at the communications office for UCF. Um, who uh, helped set everything up, and um, he'll be taking care of uh, UCF baseball as well. Um, you know, you go to ucfnights.com, all the baseball content that you see up there. Um, you know, Ian works really hard on it. So, um, just like uh, everybody who does at the communications office, and we thank them for their um, support and their help um, all the time because they're, they're the folks who make things happen when you don't see it. So, um, all right. So you've heard from Brian. You've heard from Coach Lovelady. Um, prediction time, Brian Murphy. What's going to be oh. the? Uh, <laughs> you knew it was coming. Um, <laughs> the, what's? Well, let me ask. Let me ask it this way. What is going to be the um, the level for? Uh, what's the line between success and disappointment for this team this year? So all of the players and all the coaches are saying Omaha because that's what you should say, right? Like right. If, if you're not shooting for it, then why are you playing? But I think for this team, I think they just want to improve in what they did in the tournament. Like they really had a, a pretty forgettable time out there uh, in the tournament at Florida State last year. It was it was in and out two quick games where they just they played badly. They really did. Robbie Howell. Uh, was the one guy who stood out, Robbie Howe? I think in his last start, pitched like threw like 130 pitches, and just gave them everything he had. But uh, it was forgettable. So I, I think what would be a success is a step forward, maybe perhaps making it to a super regional, which we would be really nice. But I think at the very least, at least presenting yourself and pushing maybe your regional to a game five, and 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 you know not you know just having something to be. More, res- more respectable. That, that really was a bad. It was a bad few games up there. So that I think just a little progress. If they make it to Omaha, fine. Again, no one should no one should expect that um, because it, that that is difficult. But um, I think they just want progress from what they were last year. But that does include an NCAA tournament appearance. If they don't make it, that is a failure. Well, not to put you on the spot or anything, but yes, um, I've always wondered this. We we've, we've talked about this a bunch of times, and, and I've always believed this that. Baseball is the one sport at UCF that I think year in and year out, due respect to all the other sports, year in and year out has the best chance to win a national championship. And the reason why is just the nature of the game. You know, mm-hmm. and I, I mentioned to Coach Lovelady in the interview, you know, you know, look at Coastal Carolina three years ago. Look at uh, Fresno. 10 years ago, um, who that year barely got into the tournament and knocked off a really good Georgia team that was that that a lot of baseball, you know, college baseball people were like, you know, who's going to beat them? You know, uh, who, who's going to beat them to win to, to in the College World Series? And lo and behold, Fresno did that. Um, yeah. And uh, I mean, we talked about Coastal Carolina came out of nowhere to win the College World Series. So. Um, if all goes well, you could have a team make a run if everybody gets hot at the right time, if the pitchers get hot at the right time, if the bats are clutch at the right time. 
Um, do you believe that to be true about UCF baseball having the best chance or, um, or, or could it be another sport that's out there? Well, I just in the, you know, obviously I, I know there are other really good teams on campus that I'm not as aware of. So, but for baseball, uh, for this team, the way it's set up. Yeah. I mean, they have a chance. They definitely have a chance. They, they are, they, this team is very good. And this is a team that is preseason ranked third, uh, behind, I believe Houston and UConn in the conference, but that doesn't mean they can't win it. Cause of course they won it last year when they were preseason ranked last, uh, this is a good team. And look, Jeff, I said it at the top of this. You want to have arms. You want to have pitching. I mean, you, if you, if that's how you succeed still in baseball is by throwing out better arms than the, the team you're facing. And this team has the ability with health permitting and assuming that guys take progressions uh, to do that, to really sort of overwhelm opposing offenses. And that makes that makes you, that journey uh, to national championship land a lot easier. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, the one thing we know about the sport is you just never know day in and day out, you know, what, what's going to happen. But um, the one thing that I do think day in and day out we're going to see from them is um, it, it, it's going to be a lot of fun, you know, this year. I think that's the most important thing that they, I was, the one thing that was enjoyable about seeing this team last year was um, how loose they were, how much it seemed like they got back to really enjoying playing the game and, you know, mm-hmm. you know, we can go on and on about the reasons why it happened last year. But, um, but I think that's going to, that's always going to be the most important factor. And, um, and in terms of seeing if, how this uh, sophomore season for Greg level 80 um, turns out for UCF baseball. So, um, so that'll be once again, the schedule the way the schedule shapes out, they're starting at home. It's this Friday, the 16th, UCF takes on number 15, Virginia. It's three games, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, just like a traditional weekend of college baseball, but it's against three different opponents. Rice on Saturday and Samford on uh, Sunday. Um, and, uh, you know, the home slate, you can catch it on UCFnights.com. Uh, just a jam-packed. A home slate this year. Uh, you know, you got mm-hmm. teams like Florida coming in March the sixth. That's a Tuesday night. Um, that should be a huge, huge matchup. Uh, they play Florida back to back, home and home, the sixth and the seventh. Um, you know, got Miami coming to town. Uh, Coach Lovelady's uh, alma mater on March the fourteenth. Uh, and then the conference schedule starts uh, late March, March twenty third, uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday against East Carolina. Um, they got Stetson coming in April 3rd, uh, Cincinnati coming in April 13th through the 15th, Bethune April 18th. Boy, it seems like April's when things really pick up. Um, they're at USF in Tampa April 20th through the 22nd. Wichita comes for the first time as a member of the American on the 27th through the 29th of April. Uh, and then uh, this really big series late in the season in mid-May, and I know you I know that this raised some of your eyebrows a little bit, Brian. Oklahoma coming to town uh, yeah. on May 11th through the 13th. Interesting there uh, for uh, UCF before they finish up uh, playing Tulane in the middle of May before the American uh, Athletic Conference Championships. Schedule is uh, is always going to be key, but um, it should be a really good home slate for uh, everybody as they finish work on the park and uh, hopefully give us the full opening of John Uliano Park very soon. Yeah. Brian? 
Um, your final thoughts and uh, where can people follow your UCF coverage baseball? Uh, final thoughts is I kind of empty the notebook real quickly. This team's going to be re- also offensively. I forgot to mention, this team's going to be really athletic, uh, faster. Uh, there are still more bases that, at the top of the lineup with guys like Ray Alejo in center and Matthew Micah at second base. I've talked to multiple people on the team. It's a Dallas Beaver who only played 20 games last year and really didn't do much. He said Dallas Beaver is probably the most improved hitter of the fall and is like their pick to click. I think he said that. In, I think, I think, uh, love he said that in his interview with you. And then we heard it again, I think from Chris Williams this week. So that's another guy to watch and, uh, it's going to be fun. And so as far as what I'm doing now, that I'm done with that. Uh, I'm going to be writing baseball previews that I believe will be up, uh, no later than Friday morning. And then I have a Bryce Tucker feature coming in over the weekend. So a lot of baseball stuff. And I'll be doing all of that once again uh, all season long. I'd also mention that Florida series, a little home and home they usually do. To those who don't know, Florida opened up on the Baseball America preseason poll at number one. There you go. Well, hopefully they'll stay there when we get them. You know, that's the most important thing, I think, when you see something like that is, you know, what do you do against them? So. Uh, that's going to do it for our black and gold banneret 2018 baseball preview edition. Don't forget to follow us at blackandgoldbanneret.com for all of Brian's tremendous content that he's going to have throughout the uh, baseball season as well. Uh, and uh, you can follow him at spokes underscore Murphy. You can follow me at Jeff underscore Sharon. Follow us at UCF underscore banneret. Hit us up on Facebook at um, facebook.com slash black and gold banneret. Uh, and you can also, um, hit us up as well. You know, obviously, you know, through, through there, send us questions, anything that you need. We'll be providing some live coverage of baseball all throughout, um, the 2018 baseball season. So it's going to be, I'll, I'll be, I'll be where I'll be wearing out the Twitter. There you People are going to want to mute me on Twitter. I'll be tweeting so much. I got notifications from you. So like anytime you tweet anything, I was just I see it and I hit the retweet button on, on banner on, on, on the banneret account and I'm pretty sure that I'm going to annoy the living hell out of everyone keeping looking at my watch whenever that happens. Yeah. So the uh, the oh by the way, if you don't already subscribe to our podcast, you should and tell your friends. Give us a rating on uh, iTunes Apple Podcasts. Um Give us a heads up, uh, or, or, or give us a, if you subscribe to us on that, great. Uh, if not, and you don't use Apple Podcasts, you can hit us up on Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and tune in. Brian, thanks again. Looking forward to the 2018 baseball season with you, man. Thank you, sir. And thanks to you for listening. This has been the Black and Gold Banner Act Podcast 2018 Baseball Preview Edition. We will see you on Friday night for some UCF baseball, 6.30, against the University of Virginia. Thanks again to Brian. Thanks to you for listening. This has been the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Podcast.